we have a lot of people who are short-term rental, long-term rental operators, owners, managers, but aren't necessarily financial professionals. And here they are finding themselves keeping the books for enterprises worth hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars without a lot of existing financial experience, right? And that's something that we don't often think about, right? These are big businesses. You know, if you've got three rental properties in a high cost of living area, you have a multi-million dollar business. How many multi-million dollar businesses have people who don't know that much about bookkeeping trying to keep their entire financial lives on spreadsheets? Welcome to Short-Term Rental Solutions, a show for hosts and property managers looking to overcome obstacles, maximize revenue, and optimize their short-term rental business by learning from the innovators who are designing the solutions that are shaping our industry. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Short-Term Rental Solutions Show. I'm your host, Christiane Crump, and I am so excited about this week's show because the topic today is bookkeeping. And I know that bookkeeping is something that a lot of short-term hosts and property managers struggle with, might not feel that it's one of their strengths as far as their business. And so I'm really excited to have Adam from REI Hub on with us today. And he's going to provide us some best practices and tips and really give us some information that we can build on and some really actionable information to help us strengthen our skills and grow our confidence in this area. So Adam, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me, Christiane. I'm excited to get on here and talk about everybody's favorite topic of bookkeeping and accounting, right? Exactly. So for people who may not know you or know a little bit about REI Hub, why don't you just take a minute to introduce yourself and tell us how you got here with REI Hub and we'll go from there. Sure, sure. So my business partner, John Carrier, and I have been building products and solutions for unique audiences that aren't well served by the industry leaders for a while now. And in the past, that was helping event fundraisers and nonprofits and charities doing galas and charity-based events uh, raise more funds, better, easier, uh, when the big players in that space weren't uh, quite ready for widespread smartphone adoption. So uh, there was a big problem that wasn't being well-served by the solutions out there. And today, it's something similar. It's the fact that short-term rental, long-term rental owners and operators, property managers have unique bookkeeping and accounting needs that are not well-served by the big industry players and kind of the standard small business accounting software options. So John and I have always been very interested in real estate. We've worked with our families on real estate investments before. And so driven by that mutual interest, we have built REI Hub, which is a property-based accounting software to save investors and managers time and stress while preparing more confidently and easily for tax time than ever before. That's awesome. Well, and I just love your name, REI Hub. I mean, as the uh, founder of STR Hub, I think that's just genius. Yeah, great minds think alike, I will say. Although we do sometimes get a little bit of confusion about whether or not we're selling outdoor clothing. And I, I said, no, real estate investing. Real estate oh, there you go. There you go. So, you know, give us that 30,000 foot view. What are some of the considerations that are different as far as bookkeeping for real estate investors compared to just the typical, you know, Main Street USA small businesses? Great question. Yeah, you know, there's definitely a tendency to say, oh, well, I'm running a rental business. That's just like every other business. But the reality is it's not. There are some unique considerations, unique situations, you know, things to be aware of for rental property accounting. 
first and foremost, especially for the, the owners, the investors, there is unique tax treatment for rental property. This is not the same thing as running a convenience store, running a restaurant, running a traditional service-based small business. You are reporting your revenues and expenses on a unique tax form called the IRS Schedule E. And if you look at that tax form, it tells you it's for rents and royalties. So for a lot of your standard investors, there's also kind of this presumption of passive activity where you're making money off something you own rather than something you're doing that leads to the IRS handling it in a slightly different way. And paired with that is the fact that this is an industry far more driven by big assets and depreciation than your standard service-based industry, right? So obviously we've got our rents and our expenses and everything in the operation of our rental properties. But the fact that it is built around these big assets, these properties that we purchase that can cost hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars, and then have these depreciation expenses that are driving a lot of the difference between our cash flow in the real world and our cash flow on paper means that uh, we've got kind of a different perspective um, on a lot of these problems than a traditional operating um, small business. And then finally, as I just kind of made a, a mention of, we have a lot of people who are short-term rental, long-term rental operators, owners, managers, but aren't necessarily financial professionals. And here they are finding themselves keeping the books for enterprises worth hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars without a lot of existing financial experience, right? And that's something that we don't often think about, right? These are big businesses. You know, if you've got three rental properties in a high cost of living area, you have a multi-million dollar business. How many multi-million dollar businesses have people who don't know that much about bookkeeping trying to keep their entire financial lives on spreadsheets, right? And so uh, we figured we need to provide a better solution that lets people understand their numbers and more importantly, uh, feel confident in the process of bookkeeping as they're going through. Yeah, that's great. Well, and you know, when someone is getting ready to, you know, dive in and create a bookkeeping, you know, system for their business, I have heard a lot of people discussing the question of, you know, should I have one bank account or, you know, one you know, accounting platform that I put all of my properties on? Should I be breaking that up and having each individual entity or each individual property have its own bank account, checking mm -hmm. account, own set of books, as it were? I mean, you guys work with lots of people and lots of investors. Can you kind of fill us in on what you see and, you know, kind of some thoughts on going one route or the other? Yeah, absolutely. And the idea of having a bank account per property is really, really common. And it makes a lot of sense when you're getting started. It really provides, number one, enforces its separation between your business finances and your personal finances, right? So that's the foundation of all good bookkeeping. I'm sure we'll talk about that more later. But that's why it's such a, a logical place to start. And especially while you are newer, while you're learning, maybe before you've implemented systems and processes like accounting software, there's a lot to like about the bank account per property setup. And up through maybe five to seven properties, I'd say we see a pretty even split between people doing the property bank account per property uh, process and the single bank account for all of their properties. But after that five to six, seven, eight property threshold, we really see people moving more towards consistent processes, more towards accounting software, and away from that account per property. 
And that's simply just because at that volume, it gets overwhelming. I mean, have you tried to go to Home Depot with 10 different debit cards in your wallet? Like, it's not going to be a good time. You're going to need a really, really big wallet. But they're definitely both viable strategies. So again, especially if you're still using spreadsheets, if you haven't yet graduated to accounting software, having that separate bank account per property can be a really simple way to keep things nice and easy. But the more advanced you get, the more scale you're trying to achieve, and the more ambition you have, you know, there's a difference in somebody who has two properties today, but wants to have 20 in four years versus somebody who has two properties today and wants to have four in two years, right? So there's also an element of future proofing that you want to consider. Yeah. Well, and yeah, the concept of managing 20 plus different bank accounts, having to reconcile and, you know, it, it does become a compounding issue that you want to really create a solution for that's going to be manageable and that you don't like create a beast that will <laughs> become more like a major headache and be a major drain on time and resources for your team and your operations. So yeah, that's, that's, that's really interesting. And I'm going to, and I know you would agree with this, you know, that, that kind of strategizing and stuff, it's also a great conversation to take up with your official CPA and, you know, if you have an attorney that's helping you with like business structure and entity organization, that's a really great question to have uh, a conversation to have with them. So, you know, I appreciate Absolutely. those are really great insights. And I'm going to kind of put a bug in people's ear that that is a question that you need to be asking to kind of the whole portfolio of professionals that you work with and getting their input because the input and opinion from a tax planning perspective may be different than the input and opinion of an attorney who's more thinking of asset protection and liability protection. So absolutely. Those yeah. are both big considerations, but they're not necessarily the same things, right? You know, uh, we talk about commingling and not wanting to commingle. Sometimes it's for asset and, and liability protection. Sometimes it's just to make your life easier, right? And you're exactly correct that your attorney is going to have a very different perspective than your CPA. Um, they're right. looking for different things. They're looking at different things. But in both cases, the more you can set things up the way you want them to be and the way your professionals want them to be earlier, the better you'll be in the long term, right? It's always easier to start something fresh and kind of move forward than it is to do a really big fixed job and like unwind things that have gotten complicated over. Well, exactly. This concept of, you know, you launch in and you get going and you get growing and then you have the headache of re recreating a whole new system that's going to work for you as you're now beginning to scale. So, yeah, this is the one of the takeaways from today's episode is you really need to be mindful about what your um, plans are and what you hope to do with your business and set yourself up from a bookkeeping perspective to be able to execute that and save yourself headache down the road. So another thing that, you know, is a very unique to our industry bookkeeping wise is handling the revenues received from the different platforms that we rent on Airbnb, VRBO. Some of those platforms will send batch payments. So you may get a deposit mm -hmm. from Airbnb that includes revenue from three or four different reservations and being able to tease out what goes for what particular property and you know, there can be, there, there is, I will say some bookkeeping implications to that. So give us, give us kind of a 411 and your thoughts on best practices for how to do yep. that from a bookkeeping perspective. Absolutely. This is a big one when we're talking about the short-term rental platforms, because this is how you are receiving your rent, 
right? This isn't a property manager collecting a $1,000 check from one person. This is a large software platform, multiple different guests sending different amounts, different nightly rates, different taxes, different cleaning fees, different everything. That also all kind of coming into one place. And, you know, we also have to remember that the short-term rental industry is maybe not in its infancy, but we can probably say still in its adolescence, right? So there are things that maybe the, these platforms are still figuring out in terms of how they can better report and uh, give the investors and managers this information to make uh, that a more streamlined process. But like you said, today, things are batched together and things are delivered to you in a net, net deposit basis. So that's the big thing is all of these short-term rental platforms are charging you fees, are incurring expenses on your behalf. And, you know, we think about this in a traditional long-term property management environment. Sure, that property manager is charging me 10% to do all this. But we don't always think about it in terms of what Airbnb and VRBO are charging us because they, they don't necessarily put that front and center, right? But every time you get a payout from Airbnb, that is a net amount. That includes gross revenues from your nightly rents and your cleaning fees and gross expenses from the platform or commissions that Airbnb is charging you to facilitate this environment. So REI Hub offers a couple different ways to deal with this. We have a custom rule specifically for Airbnb deposits that will automatically gross a deposit up by 3% because that's what Airbnb by and large charges hosts is the 3% commission expense. And we have a new Airbnb export uploader where you can take your payout statement from Airbnb, a CSV file, and upload it into the REI Hub system. That's going to capture every single nightly rent, cleaning fee, incurred platform expense, resolution payout, refund on a property-by-property -property basis and import that all cleanly into the system. Because what comes from your bank account isn't that much information. You know, we get the, the date, the description says Airbnb and the amount, but there's nothing from the bank that is telling us exactly which reservation, which listing, you know, which owner, even if you're uh, a co-host to, to set that up on. And for any of our other short-term rental platforms, maybe a direct booking site or VRBO that has a less consistent fee structure, REI Hub allows you to book any net deposit in your bank's import feed as what we call net income. That basically means revenues minus expenses. So that you're always able to account for these grosses that the IRS is looking to see at the end of the day. And then the second thing I would mention in this area we touched on earlier, and that's the cleaning fees. So I know the cleaning fees are a hot topic among guests. You know, sometimes, okay, we see the nightly rate, then we see the cleaning fees and suddenly everything seems to change. But we need to remember that that is also revenue. And ultimately, especially if you're filing a Schedule E, like the vast majority of short-term rental owners will, all of your uh, collected cleaning fees are going to be counted towards and included your total revenue, your total rent number for the year. So just be aware that uh, if you're saying, well, wait a minute, this doesn't look right. My nightly rate's only $220 and I've got this $300 deposit for two nights. Well, remember the cleaning fees that you are charging your guests are also being included in your revenue number. Um, and the government, the IRS is gonna be aware of that. And so you want your records to reflect it as well. Yeah, well, and theoretically you're gonna have an expense that will offset the revenue from that cleaning fee. So oh, absolutely. Yes. So you'll have a net zero impact, but still you uh, want to show the totals, right? Because the Airbnb is going to tell the IRS how much they collect on your behalf. And you want to match right. It. Well, and I want to just point out one thing that you said, you know, about how 
the the 3% the Airbnb charges or you know that varying percentage that you may be charged for other booking platforms if you are not adding back in like you said you get a, a net deposit if you are not adding back in that expense that you've incurred then you are missing out on the opportunity <laughs> you know it's crazy to consider it an opportunity but you know for some people they don't want to show too much profit that's really maybe not necessarily the best way to phrase it, but you need to capture that expense because then it more truly reflects what your actual take home was. Because yeah. if all, all you're showing is these deposits, 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 and you're not also capturing that there was actually expense in that gross amount, mm -hmm. then you're missing out on deductions. Basically your expenses are going to be deductions. And so, yeah. And you, you know, your net taxable income will kind of end up in the same place. So, you know, if, if last year you booked all of your Airbnb deposits, just as rent, uh, you know, don't worry, your net taxable income is in the same place, but maybe you arrived at it in a different way than the IRS would like you to. And that can be something that they might look for. This is also something that doesn't have to be done on a transaction by transaction basis. This is also something that can be an, an adjusting entry can be entered at the end of the year, right? So if you want to streamline or simplify your day-to-day -day and monthly bookkeeping and not recognize these expenses 12 times a month, every time you receive an Airbnb deposit, you can also wait until the end of the year and look at your year summary from Airbnb and make an adjusting journal entry that grosses up both your revenues and your expenses at the same time in the same amount so that we are kind of getting the best of both worlds in both streamlining things on an ongoing basis and uh, making sure the IRS gets what they want at the end of the year. Yeah. Ooh, I love that. That's a great tip. Definitely something you, I mean, for me, I know that operationally, if that was what I was going to plan to do, I would put a reoccurring event on my calendar that happened sometime in, you know, the first or second week of January when I can pull off that, you know, the prior year's Airbnb report and remind myself to make that, you know, one adjustment to gross everything up, like you said. So that's actually a great tip, but you definitely make sure you want, you definitely want to make sure that you capture, you know, that adjustment in one way or the other, because I think it would be easy for kind of the novice person who's doing their financials, who doesn't have kind of this full background to miss that, to miss mm -hmm. capturing and putting those expenses in and making sure that what you're reporting is complete and accurate as far as your expenses and the gross revenue. Yeah. yeah. Here's another thing that I know is on a lot of people's mind as I was, I actually reached out to a few friends uh, and kind of said, hey, I'm going to be interviewing Adam. We're going to be having this conversation about bookkeeping. What are some questions that you guys have and what are some things that you know might be helpful for short-term rental property managers and hosts and co-hosts uh, with regard to their bookkeeping and so the question came up from some of my uh, associates is you know when you start to get into co-hosting when you're making that transitioning and wanting to help other people how does that change the way your bookkeeping needs to look yeah that's a great question and kind of an underrated consideration for a lot of people because when you are managing your own rentals and then you go and you manage somebody else's rentals, it kind of feels like you're doing the same thing, right? You're getting tenants, you're managing the property, handling repairs, all that stuff. But guess what? You just started another business, right? And that's the hard thing to keep in mind is that even if the action of managing is the same, on the back end and the bookkeeping side of things, that is going to go in a completely different part of your tax forms and uh, be a different part of your tax preparation process because it is essentially a separate business activity. 
So the rentals that you own and operate, like I said, by and large are going to go onto that Schedule E, right? But once you start co-hosting or managing for somebody else, suddenly that's no longer a passive activity based on a property that you own. Now that's an active management service revenue. And at that point, that side of your business does look a little bit more like your everyday small business in America, right? And that doesn't mean that it's not still good to have a real estate focused accounting system, but it does mean that you need to recognize the fact that these are a separate set of revenues and expenses that need to be held separately from your ownership revenues and expenses, essentially. So if you are a co-host or a property manager, you need to separate out the property management company funds and operations from the things you're doing on behalf of the owners, right? So you need a bank account where your property management company incurs expenses out of, right? You know, you go and you do something to manage something, that's a property management expense, that's for this, this company. But then when you go and you do a repair for a property, that probably should be happening in an owner-specific account so that you're not commingling your owner's funds with your property management company's funds. And if you want to be really careful and you continue to get multiple owners that you're co-hosting for, ideally you would have a separate account per owner so that you're not commingling the funds of owner A with owner B, right? So the more you go down the path of managing for other people as well as your own, you just really need to keep in mind that those are separate business activities that you need to track and keep at least somewhat separate so that you can report those accurately in two different places on your tax forms at the end of the year. Okay. Now, that's something that maybe sounds more intimidating than it needs to. REI Hub and different accounting softwares do have the ability to provide some level of, of separation. In REI Hub, we call that sub-portfolios. So we've got units that roll up into properties. Properties roll up into sub-portfolios, which rolls up into the top portfolio. So it's just different layers of reporting all the way down. And the sub-portfolio acts like an entity layer so that you can kind of say, you know, here are my four properties that I own and manage, which is separate from this property management company that manages on behalf of other people, which is separate from these other properties owned by these other people. And if you've got that complicated of a day-to-day -day business existence, your accounting needs to reflect that. And that's the best way to ensure that you kind of keep everything in its appropriate bucket, so to say. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to echo, this, these are complicated topics. These are like really important decisions that we have to make in order to make sure that we are operating our businesses in kind of the best practices framework. So I'm going to put the same footnote on that conversation that we had to this point of the conversation that we had earlier, where this is again, one of those things that you need to make sure that you're touching base with your CPA and your attorney and setting things up, but there really is some differences and some kind of caveats that you need to take into consideration when you begin property managing and co-hosting for other people. So thank you for kind of giving us the primer, kind of the one-on-one and the high level on what that looks like. That's great. So Adam, we all want to be our accountant's favorite client, favorite customer, and we all want to be, of course, like top-notch bookkeepers for our business. What are some of the most common mistakes that you see people making and how can we avoid kind of some of those headaches? Great question. Uh, we all want to uh, have a nice, easy end of year meeting with our CPA, right? Because they don't have a lot of time for us at that point and we already should have what we need, right? So we want to make that as easy as possible. 
So if you want to save some headache and some heartache, there are a couple of big things. You know, we talked about some of them already. You know, of course, uh, separate accounts, right? We talked about this a lot already, but, but making sure you've got a separation between your personal funds and your business funds is the foundation of all good bookkeeping because that enables so many different things, not just the legal standpoint, but also the financial standpoint. And again, just lets you unwind and really kind of dive in. And just as importantly, it helps you not miss deductions. You know, if you have uh, your rentals operating out of your personal account, it can get difficult to remember what a transaction was. And if you went to Lowe's for a business reason or a personal reason, especially if you're keeping your books in arrears, you know, I talked to a lot of people who now at the you know, latter half of 2023 are going back to the beginning of 2022 because they filed an extension on their taxes, right? And that's totally fine. But how well do you remember your, you know, what you spent 18 months ago? And so just giving ourselves structures and processes to work within that are going to make our lives easier is always the number one step. But to give you some slightly more advanced common mistakes, I think one of the biggest things that is difficult for new investors to understand is the difference between operational expenses and capital expenditures. And this is probably something that sounds a little familiar, but if not, let me break it down for you. The IRS draws a difference in between the money we spend on our rentals based on the purpose of those funds. And what we think about as our business expenses on an ongoing basis are the, are the money we spend in the operation of our rental business are the expenses that go onto our profit and loss statements, that go onto our Schedule E's and are deducted against our rental income, right? So managing, maintaining, keeping it supplied, paying a property manager, any of anything that is necessary, ordinary and necessary in the operation of your business is a deductible expense. But sometimes we spend money that's not about the operation of our rental business. Sometimes it's money to improve our business, to adapt it, to renovate it, or to start a brand new one by buying a whole new property. And these are uh, costs that the IRS says we are investing in our businesses. We are improving them. And so we're not operating them, we're, we're making them better. And the IRS basically says we can't deduct those costs. Instead, we need to capitalize them and depreciate them over time. And uh, the easiest way to think about it is when you buy a new rental property, right? You buy a new rental property for $250,000. You don't write off $250,000 on your taxes. You capitalize that cost and then you deduct a portion of it every year through depreciation. It's the same thing on a smaller scale for those areas that we are improving and updating our properties. So you've been renting a house out for a couple of years, a new roof is needed. Well, guess what? That's $15,000. That's a whole home system. And the IRS says that is not an expense. That is a fixed asset, a capital expenditure. And you need to capture and hold that cost separately from your standard expenses so that you or your CPA can properly depreciate that asset over time. So one of the biggest mistakes I think a lot of CPAs see is people who come to them at the end of the year with their schedule or their profit and loss and $30,000 in repairs for that, that, that home. And the CPA says, well, can you tell me a little bit about this $30,000 in repairs? And they say, oh yeah, we added on a new bathroom for $25,000 and the other stuff was just incremental. Well, the CPA is going to say, all right, that's not right. We got to back this out. We got to figure this out. And that's going to take time. That's going to take effort. And that's going to take attention at a very highly leveraged point in the process. So the more you can do ahead of time to understand the difference between operational expenses and capital expenditures or fixed assets, uh, the better. So that's one of the big ones. 
hopefully you'll stay with me there. I know I'm getting a little nerdy uh, once we once we dive all the way in there. Well, no, it's great to get educated. Absolutely. So, you know, we're all so busy. We're all trying to, you know, streamline our bookkeeping operations. I know personally for me, you know, I do own and self-manage our portfolio. And so I block myself, you know, 20 to 30 minutes, uh, certain days of the week or number of times per month where if I can just break it into small bits and sit down and attend to it, you know, on a weekly or semi-weekly basis, then it never becomes too overwhelming. And, mm -hmm. you know, I can just manage it in small bits. That's what's worked for me. That's a system and a, you know, just kind of a workflow that's worked for me. But, you know, what are some ways that you can, you know, give people to help streamline or create efficiencies in their bookkeeping? And then also, I mean, the tiny little question to tack on is, when should you really begin to think maybe it's time to stop DIYing and migrate to actually hiring a bookkeeper? Great question. Great question. So first and foremost, on a streamlining basis, number one is use accounting software. Use a system. And obviously I'm biased. I think accounting software, I think rental property accounting software is the way to go. But uh, you can always move further and faster within a system, within an organizational framework than trying to go it alone, especially if this is not something that you're really experienced in, right? And that's the difference between looking at the available options and trying to decide what this transaction fits into versus looking at a blank sheet and trying to decide how to handle something along those lines. And the other thing that accounting software does is it enables additional automations, like the ability to electronically connect to your bank account and have a import feed of transactions from your bank. That means you don't have to start every transaction manually, right? If you already know the date and the amount and the description, you can move faster through your books. And then you can also take advantage of automations like transaction matching rules, right? So if you have the same 12 transactions every month, there's a good chance that there's something in those transactions, be it a repeatable description or a very unique amount that can enable systems like REI Hub to build automations that are automatically booking transactions um, according to what's in that description from the bank or the amount of that transaction. So you can put things on autopilot, right? If you've got the same bill from the water company every single month, you can automate that. You don't need to, to click three times to say it's an expense to this particular property if it's always an expense to that particular property. Another thing you can do is think about the information you're trying to get out from the system, right? So obviously number one is the number one reason we're doing this is for taxes. Let's let's be real. I mean, not every single real estate investor, short-term rental operator is going to be keeping detailed financial books just for the love of it. Uh, most of us are doing it because there's a, a requirement. But that doesn't mean we should minimize the amount of business intelligence that's available to us from keeping our books, right? Your bookkeeping and your knowing your numbers is uh, a backbone to successfully operating any business, right? Because how it's our scorecard. How can we know how we're doing if we don't know how we're doing? I mean, we're doing this to make money. We're keeping the books so we file taxes correctly, but ultimately we're, we're all here to improve our financial lives. And if, if we don't have any goalposts, if we don't have um, any ability to read and understand our performance, then are we really doing that? One very minor example I like to point to is there's the IRS Schedule E, which I've talked about a couple of times, has 15 different expense categories on it. And they're very broad. Cleaning and maintenance is a category, right? But if you're a short-term rental operator, 
don't you need to know a little bit more than just total cleaning and maintenance? Don't you need to know how much you've spent on turnover cleanings versus HVAC maintenance, right? Isn't that a meaningful piece of information? And so keeping something like that in mind as you're setting up your books, what information are we trying to extract and doing something simple like lining up our expense categories and our reporting goals at the beginning of the year can uh, give you meaningful information about your business by the end of it. That's great. That's awesome, actually. <laughs> so thank you so much. I can't believe the time has gone so fast. I just want to know, kind of as we close here, you know, with REI Hub, what's kind of one of those hidden features or one of your favorite features that you see in the platform that maybe flies under the radar or people just aren't aware of? Sure. Well, there are two that come to mind. Um, definitely getting into the, the nitty gritty a little bit and uh, my, my nerdy side's coming up, but that's okay. Number one is mortgage amortization. Investors have uh, loans and mortgages and loan repayments as a really big part of their day-to-day -day financial lives. But every single mortgage payment you make is not an expense. It's a loan pay down, principal repayment with a mortgage interest expense and a transfer to an escrow account. So there's three things happening in every mortgage payment. If you want to account for that in QuickBooks, you need to make a manual journal entry every single time. We have a default dynamic mortgage amortization payment template set up that if you give us a little extra information about your loan, like the month, amount of your payment, the amount of your escrow transfer, and the interest rate, we can dynamically calculate that amortization on an ongoing basis and help you break that payment down into its component pieces automatically every single month so that your books are more accurate on a recurring basis. And then the next one is also going back into this expenses versus capital expenditure or fixed assets piece. REI Hub has this included as a native feature, the ability to track multiple fixed assets, multiple capital expenditure projects side by side on a property by property basis. Uh, this is not something that's really present in, in small business accounting software because those industries are not as oriented around this degree of asset tracking and the importance of depreciation. But if you have a rental property that you've been operating for three, four, 10 years, you're going to have multiple fixed assets that you're depreciating on that property side by side. And for a lot of people, that is the big scary thing that drives them to a professional bookkeeper or a CPA. When with the right system, it's something that becomes a lot more understandable a lot more usable when it's, again, something that you can see and work within. So those are my two favorite uh, hidden gems within REI. That is awesome. Thank you so much. I don't know about you guys. I've really enjoyed today's show. And, you know, I, I definitely squarely put myself in that category of people who feel like the bookkeeping and the financial management isn't necessarily one of my native strengths. I've had to do a ton of learning in order to be able to confidently navigate that for my business. And so I found a ton of value in the things that you shared. And I'm pretty confident that a lot of people listening today will feel the exact same way. So thank you so much. I know, Adam, that you had kind of a special offer that you were willing to share with people who hear about REI Hub through the show. Do you want to tell people a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. As you sign up for REI Hub, we ask you, were you referred? And if you heard about us on this show today, please tell us you heard about us with SDR Hub and we'll give you $50 of bill credits towards your subscription. That's great. Thank you so much. So we are actually going to be wrapping up the podcast portion of the show, but I am super excited about what's going to come next because Adam is actually going to give us a tour of the REI Hub 
software and take us in and show us around, give us a sense of what it looks like to actually be in there and work on it. And so we are going to have that on YouTube. We're going to have this entire episode and at the end will be this additional bonus content. So be sure to follow us over there onto the YouTube channel. And thank you so much for tuning into today's show. We love having you. We would love your input about what solutions or what pain points you have in your business, your short-term rental business. And we would love to bring people onto the show that have built solutions or have input on ways to work around those pain points and simplify our, our businesses, basically. So if you have any input on that, please feel free to leave a comment or reach out to us over on STR Hub. We love hearing from our community. Thanks again for joining us. And we're going to let you go. But like I said, Adam and I are going to continue our conversation. Thank you, Christian. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. And if you could spare a moment, please leave the show a quick review. Your review helps us help more hosts and property managers like yourself. By the way, if you're a realtor, lender, bookkeeper, accountant, interior designer, or other professional who specializes in serving the short-term rental industry, we need to get you listed on STR Hub and start spreading the word about your services. So reach out to me via email, christiane at strhub.com. Thanks again for listening and be sure to join me next time to catch my latest conversation with the innovators designing the solutions that are shaping our industry.